The following message was recorded at Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org. So, anybody thankful for an empty tomb this morning? Um, you know, each year it's a, I don't know about for you, but for me it's a, cha- like, it's a challenge because um, I, I usually prepare, Amir did such a wonderful job on Friday night, I, I usually prepare for a sermon on Friday night and you get so immersed in the crucifixion that there is there is such emotional content connected to that that you, you're in this mode of just grieving and hurting over the, 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 the death and the sacrifice of Christ. And, uh, and three days later, aren't you thankful for three days later? Like, aren't you thankful that 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 tomb broke forth with light and hope and joy and peace and that God himself said that, look, Jesus said these things. He said, I lay my life down and I take it up again. Right. No one takes it from me like he did this for us. This is what love does. He said, no greater love than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends and called us friend and died in our place, took our debt, took the debt that deserved death and took the death that we deserved and in, in exchange for that offers us life. And not life like we have perceived it here with, with beginning and end. Eternal life is the promise, is the free gift that is given to us. The resurrection of, of, the, of Jesus the Christ is the most important and powerful truth we believe. See, because if Jesus doesn't raise from the dead, we're not here today. Like, we, he's not Lord, right? But because he is risen from the dead, because he has conquered sin and death, we now have to acknowledge the fact that everything he said is not only valid, but its implications are so critical for our existence, and our eternity. This statement goes on to say, not only is it the most important and powerful truth we believe, it is the defining truth of his identity. It defines him as Lord. It qualifies everything he said and did as truth. And our confidence in that truth actually rescues us. That's the good news. That we can put our hope and trust in Christ. We can, we can declare him Lord. And that doesn't change who he is. Look, he's Lord whether we acknowledge or not. Right? There'll come a day where every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. It says in heaven, on earth, and below the earth. There will come a moment where every knee will submit to the reality, the truth, that Jesus is Lord of all. And what grips my heart is that in the midst of our own choices that led to our broken state, fallen, like hating and hated, this this circumstance. Anybody want to agree that that we're in decay? Right? We're in decay. But here's the good news. He came to make all things new. The old is gone. Behold, we are new creations in Christ. This is the hope of glory. And all of that is imparted to us by the miracle of salvation through faith. 
through simple childlike faith that just declares that I can't rescue myself from this this brokenness. I can't break the chains of my bondage. I can't I can't change the way that I that the things I do and the the decisions I made. But but there's a promise that God has made that if you if you rest in me, if you trust in me, if you acknowledge that I am who I am and I have done what I promised I would do. And man, it's just no simple feat, right? He conquered the grave. He, 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 he came back to life just like he told him. He, they told him he would be, he said he'd be crucified three times, clearly to his disciples. But every time he told them that, he said also, but three days, three days later, he would rise again. This is our hope. This is truly our only hope. And so in, I, I love this, in Romans 4, 24 and 25, it, it, it unpacks this, this principle that if our confidence is in that truth, the reality of the resurrection, then we're rescued. This is what Paul says in chapter 4, verses 24 and 25. It will be counted to us. What is he talking about? He's talking about righteousness. He's using Abraham as an example. And this is a man who, it says, he believed God. And he believed God about things that were yet to come, that were beyond his, his ability to resolve, right? He believed that from him, though he was old, there was going to become descendants that were as many as the sand on the seashore and the stars in the sky. So from a barren woman and a man that was beyond the age of being a parent came, d- d- does anybody know anybody that's, um, that's of, of Jewish descent today? And, and how many have come? Over, over, I mean, around the world. This is, this is the legacy of, of the faith of Abraham. That was, this is what was simply said in Genesis 15, 6. That Abraham believed God for the promises that he made. The character of faithfulness that he displayed. It says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him righteousness. That we don't have to work. There's no effort on our part that can ever bridge the gap the separation that, is, that, has been, uh, that has been established between us and God. Jesus came and he filled the void. He became the bridge, the door, the gate, the way, the truth, the life. And he, and he went through all the pain and the agony that, that our sin of humanity required. It said he, he drank the cup of God's wrath. And he drank it to, to its full completion so that our debt is paid in full so that we could put our trust in what he's done on our behalf. And, and here's the thing. I mean, have you ever loved somebody to that extent? Have you ever loved somebody so much that you, that you, that you die? Well, obviously you're sitting here, but like that you died, that like that this, this love that, 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 that drove him to leave eternity so that we would have it, to leave the Father's presence so that we would have it. That he would come and experience full, full knowledge, by the way, full disclosure. He knew everything that he would face, the pain, the suffering, the separation, the denial, the betrayal. It was all, it was all there. And as we look, as we read earlier, even, we see that all of that was, was designed because it, because it was, it was required in order for us to be rescued. Jesus took, man, he paid our debt and the wages of sin is death. Like, so he, he did that too. And he says, I did this for you. And we're told that, that, 
that while we were yet sinners, while we were still in a rebellious posture, in a, in a defiant mode, in fact, the passage goes on to say in Romans 5 that while we were enemies, and not that, that, that God wanted us to be his enemy, but that we had made him, him, him ours. And it says, but, but, but while we were yet sinners, still broken, God knowing all that we have done, will do all of it, and knowing, knowing what it would cost, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Why? Why? It says to demonstrate the Father's own love for us. That's that's why. And so why would we ever I, I mean as as one that has experienced the 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 redemption of Christ, the ransom that was paid for me, it just it doesn't make sense for me to me for anybody to reject that. Why? Why would you not receive the greatest love, the greatest news that humanity has ever heard is that God loves you. He came to die for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes, puts their trust, confidence in him shall not perish but have everlasting, everlasting life. And so Paul says here, it will be counted to us righteous who believe in him who raised him from the dead, Jesus our Lord. When we, when we acknowledge that he's Lord, and we, 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 we turn the control of our lives over to him, we find that, that freedom that he came to purchase for us, the, the, the peace, the comfort, the joy that is our strength, and righteousness is imputed to us. The very righteousness that's required to be in a holy God's presence doesn't come to us by being good, because we can't, by being great, because we can't, being holy, because we can't. It is imputed to us by faith and when we believe him for the miraculous things that he's done and his promise to do do you know jesus your king the king of glory the king of kings is coming back for his bride that's the truth that that is the and and listen when we believe that we live differently now right it changes the way that we we think and live it becomes our living hope we can see through the darkness that we're in circumstantially and we can literally be a part of the light that, that helps to point people to him. And, uh, and man, it's like being a burning bush that draw, drew Moses in, like, you know, that's not consumed by the fire. There's a fire in us called the Holy Spirit that, uh, that lights up because it's the life that Jesus has purchased us back to. And, uh, and when we shine for his glory, that's when people, when other people are ready to ask the question for the hope that lies within us. And so I love that who, it, it, the verse goes on in verse 25 to say, who, speaking of the Lord Jesus, who was delivered up for whose transgressions? You know, I want to say mine. Because like Paul did in Galatians 2.20, he says, I, I have been crucified with Christ that I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live now by the, faith, by, by the Son who, who loved me and gave himself for me. And I love that he makes that personal, who loved me and gave himself for me. But here, who, who was, speaking of Christ, delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification? You know what the word justification means? Declared not guilty. In fact, in the biblical sense, it's even better than that. It's declared never guilty again. Is that good news? 
right? Is that good news? Like, guys, I'm telling you, this is the best news this world has ever heard. And the sad reality is, is that people choose to be blind to the redemptive love and grace that's been extended from heaven to rescue them back to their creator and show them what life really is and what hope really feels and joy. Like everything that this world offers in counterfeit, God offers in perfection and wants us to experience it firsthand. But none of that is, 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 is available but through Christ. No one comes to the Father except through me because no one could make no one could be the lamb of god that takes away the sin of the world but this but emmanuel right god with us and you know with this with this understanding that that the cross makes us whole again makes us righteous and blameless and i mean enough to the extent of perfection in my opinion because how do you put a holy spirit inside a temple unless it's clean right this is what he did like it's amazing but then we're told in romans chapter five and six we said well then then if grace is so amazing then maybe we should sin so that others can see its implications and its impact you know like this is a crazy thought but 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 paul says it this way shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase and one translation says god forbid by no means and we it says this we've died to sin how can we live it any longer? Because no longer is it some rule that we break. It's a heart that we break when we, def- when we, when we disobey love himself. Does that make sense? Like it's a relationship with the one that loved you enough to die for you. It's, 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 God is not some, some, some far removed entity. He is a father that loved his children enough to send his son and a son that was willing to die for his bride so that she would, would, would be, be drawn close. Jesus said, for I go. Like, this is what he said. Do not let your hearts be troubled. John 14, 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. But I go to prepare a place for you, so that where I am, you shall also. He literally says that I might take you. What does he say? To myself. Guys, this is... This is not religion, man. This is a God that wants you close and is willing to do whatever it takes to make that possible. And that's exactly what he did. He paid our debt. And when we understand what Christ did for us, sin is no longer an issue of rules and law, even disobedience. It is, it is an expression of love through obedience. Because, man, I... I would, I I say I would never, but you know, like I would never betray my wife's love. I would never like, right? Because, and what drives me to do that is not because I made a vow. It's not because it's a rule. It's not because people will think less of me. It's because I would, I would hurt the heart of this precious woman I love so deeply. And that's what, that's what drives our obedience. Because, because when it's religion, it's cold. When it's, when it's a relationship, it's not warm, it's on fire, right? It's alive, it's rich, it's eternal. You're purchased, you're loved, right? And, and this, is the, this is the heart of God. This is the motivation of God. Why did Christ go to the cross? To demonstrate the Father's love for you. So you would know. 
then you would never doubt that you are loved, loved. What the God of all creation did in the resurrection is to remove every hindering factor so that we might enjoy his perfect presence. Do you believe that? He took, he took what was in the way and he took it upon himself and all the pain and agony, pulling of the be- ripped in beards from his face and, and bags over his head and being punched and mocked by both Jew and Gentile and hung on a cross, excruciating pain to where he, I mean, for hours and hours and hours, spears thrusted through his side, thorns crushed upon his brow. Like none of this, none of this was, was foreign to him. He knew all of this was coming and he, he embra- it says he ran to this moment knowing it meant your rescue. Please take that personally because God wants you to. He wants you to know it. We are reminded today that life never ends and love never dies. That's what Easter tells us, right? Life never ends and love never dies. Jesus' resurrection validates everything he said and did, everything. And if that's true, (laughs) a lot of us are in a great place and some of us are in trouble, right? I mean, it's... Everything he said and everything he did is validated by an empty, tr- empty tomb and a risen Savior. That, that's the fact. By his victory on the cross and his triumph over the grave, he solidifies his authority and lordship. I'll read this to you again from Philippians 2, 9 through 11. Therefore God has exalted him and bestowed... And keep in mind, this is on the heels of this statement. This is verse 9. Verse 5 starts off like this. Have the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who who did not consider equality with God something to be held on to, grasp. But he made himself nothing, taking the very form of a servant, being made in human likeness, being obedient to death, even death on a cross. And then it says this. Therefore, God has exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at that name or the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. And as I mentioned before, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, there will come a day where, you know, one of the things I hate to hear is the Lord's name used in vain. And it just seems like cuss words can don't even have as many you don't see as many of those in a, in a movie as you hear them using the Lord's name or God's name in vain. And it's just like, do you know that he loves you? Do you know that he died for you? Like, why, 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 would, you, why would you say that? Like, this is the name that's above every name. Not only in heaven where it's fully declared on a regular, like on a constant basis with, with awe and reverence and fear. But like, but, but on earth and under the earth, there will be a day right? That is coming. We, we, we need to hear this. We are, no, we are without excuse so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I say to this this morning, death is no longer a prison but a passage into God's presence. Please hear this. Death is no longer a prison, but a passage into God's presence. The resurrection states, you can put love on a cross, but he won't fail. And you can put truth in a grave, but he will not remain or stay there. Isn't that good news? Right? Here's the account 
in Luke chapter 24, verses 1 through 9. This is the account from Luke's perspective, one that, that did intense research. Do you know, do you know, how many witnesses does it take to convict someone today in the court of law? I know I have attorneys or, or around the room. Is two enough? Is three enough? Four, five, ten, twenty? Like, you know, we were told in Corinthians that, that over 500 people saw the risen Savior. 500 people. And many that were alive when that was penned and distributed through the nation, through the Roman Empire, that could validate the fact that they had seen the risen Savior. The one that authored that declared that he was one as abnormally born and had seen him firsthand. John often talks about as an eyewitness to love himself. Like, <laughs> you know, a lot of my research in, in, in preparation for this message, like the, the historical facts of Christ's like life, death, and resurrection, like even by unbelievers, is so incredibly factually stated in history, more so than, than any other uh, individual known to, known to history. And it says this in verse 1, but on the first day of the week at early dawn, that's Sunday morning, and please understand, if, you, if, you, if we don't understand how days work in God's original plan, if you look in, the, in, in Genesis 1, it says, and, and there was evening, there was morning the first day. There was evening, there was morning the first day. Even Jews today, uh, the day begins at sundown, right? The next day starts at sundown, right? That's, that's how the day works within a Jew Jewish context. And so when G- Jesus expires at 3 p.m., right, the ninth hour on Friday, the day before uh, the, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the very day that the Passover lamb at twilight would be sacrificed. <laughs> wow, right? Like, and, uh, and then that, that's why they had to get him in the grave, right? That's why Joseph of Arimathea goes to Pilate and says, please, could you entrust his body to me? And that's why they use 75 pounds of burial spices uh, to bury him. Two members of the Sanhedrin, by the way, right? They're, 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 they're creating or, or committing uh, social suicide here, political suicide, because they have, they have determined in their heart that this is the king of kings. And they're going to give him a, 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 a king's burial. They, they put him in a new tomb. Do you know all of that? If you want to read it for yourself, set over 700 years before this happened, Isaiah penned it in Isaiah 53, almost to perfection. Over a thousand years before it happened, David in Psalms 22, penned it almost to perfection. They pierced my hands and feet. Do you know that crucifixion hadn't even been thought of? And yet that's what is declared in the, in the Psalm of David in Psalm 22. And so it's on the first day because Friday he expires at three o'clock. Sundown begins second day. Sundown on Saturday begins the third day. And now it's the morning of the third day, Right which is Sunday, the first day of the week. But on the first day of the week at early dawn, they, this is based on verse 10, this is Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and other women that come to the tomb to, to, uh, to continue to worship Jesus, thinking that he is still uh, dead, not believing his words. No one did, unfortunately. Tell us that they, and, and, and one of the things we, 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 uh, we remember from Matthew 27, 61 is that the night before, Friday night, they sat there and watched Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, you know, put him in this tomb. They sat and watched this. They knew exactly where this tomb was. So they went to the tomb. This was obviously his tomb. 
taking the spices that they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the the body of the Lord Jesus. And while they were perplexed about this, as you can imagine, behold, two men in angelic forms of obviously stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? Why are you looking in a graveyard for a risen king? Right? He is not here, but he is risen. Remember how he told you when he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. Remember when he told you that? And they remembered his words and returned from the tomb. Uh, returning from the tomb, they told these things, uh, all these things to the 11 and all the rest. Now, I love what William Lane Craig says about this moment. Think about the context of what transpired here. Like the the political leaders of the Jewish culture as well as the Roman leaders have not just participated but orchestrated the death of, of, of the king of kings, the God of the universe. Now, though they might not acknowledge that truth, though Pilate tried to over and over again wash his hands of this moment and uh, found himself in a, in a precarious moment and gave in to the fear of man, uh, think about the context here. Like, and I love what he says here. The simple fact that the Christian fellowship founded on belief in Christ's resurre- resurrection came into existence and flourished in the very city where he was executed and buried is powerful evidence for the factual history of the empty tomb. Think about that. <laughs> Think about the context in which this, this, this happened and the fact that, that this, this, this glorious good news, this event that took place flourished in the midst of that context is, I think, I think it is total credibility. Um, but, but very little of so much that brings credibility to this moment. Jesus said in John 10, as he unpacked the fact that he is the I am, he is God in the flesh. He and the Father are one. Like he says here, I am the good shepherd in verse 14. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, I know the Father. And he says, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this fold, talking about Gentiles, talking about us. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. Listen to verse 18. No one takes it, speaking of his life, from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. And I have authority from my father to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I received from my father. He was given authority by the God of creation to lay his life down and to take it up again. Right? And and, and he even told Pilate, you you can't do anything that you're not given authority to do. And, and, and it's for this reason that I have come, right? And he, so he submits himself to the pain and agony of a cross, knowing that he'll be resurrected. Here's the good news this morning. Do you know that we can submit ourselves to the pain and tragedy, to the, to the, to the heartbreak of this life? Because we know something. We know there's a resurrection in our future. Do you think that was of any consolation to Jesus at that moment? Do you think that was of any source of resolve and courage 
when he knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that he had authority to take his life up again? Because here's the thing, we've been made promises. In Romans 6, we're told that if, if you're buried with him through baptism, through through uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that the baptism of water and the Spirit, that you will also be raised with him. Those are future promises that are made to us. And are we being like Abraham where we're putting our trust and confidence in that truth, in that promise, because it changes everything. God starts to put his, he puts his spirit in us. He seals us and then he begins to talk to us and he begins to reveal to us the truth. And he starts, he he starts doing the change that's so necessary of our hearts from the inside out. So good. In John chapter two, verse 18 to 22, it says this. So the Jews said to him, what authenticating sign, what sign do you show us for doing these things? He had cleared the temple. Jesus points to his resurrection here, by the way. And it's so good to read this now. Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. Right? Their thoughts, because they were living in the practical terms, he says, the Jews said, uh, then said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple and you will raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. And when therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he, uh, that he had said this and they believed the scriptures and the word that Jesus had spoken. And guys, this is not the only testimony that we have. The testimony of resurrection is not unique to the New Testament. Like, and it's not unique to just the only prophet like Ezekiel. We see it with Isaiah. We see it with Daniel. We see it. I'll give you a few, uh, uh, a couple here that uh, I think is fantastic. Isaiah 26 verse 19 says, your dead shall live. This is talking about times that are yet to come for us. In, in a prophetic book that was written over 700 years ago that is, that is filled with things like, and, and the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son in, verse, in chapter 7, verse 14. And we know that's come to fruition. He says, your dead shall live, their bodies shall rise. You, you who dwell in the dust, awake and sing for joy. For your dew is a dew of light and the earth will give birth to the dead. This is, this is, this is Old Testament promises. Look at Daniel chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. And there shall be a, t- a time of trouble. Again, future prophecy. Such has never has been since there was a nation till that time. But at that time, your people shall be delivered. Everyone who calls, everyone whose name shall be found written in the book, speaking of the Lamb's book of life, And many of those who sleep, this is where the concept of sleep comes in, um, in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. I want to take a moment this morning and I want to read the resurrection passage from the New Testament that is filled with hope for the saint. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 20, 24, it says this, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, speaking of Adam, by a man, the Lord Jesus Christ, has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all died, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in its, in its own order, Christ, the first fruits, the first resurrected, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. 
And so the question beckons us at this moment to ask, do you belong to him? He says, he says, you've been bought with a price. You are not your own. Like the blood of Christ seeks to purchase us. Just like the lamb's blood that was painted over the doorpost of last Wednesday that we talked about Passover, this Jewish festival, the first of all seven Jewish festivals that was celebrated where the angel of death passed over. You don't think this was all pointing to Jesus? Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom. This is the Lord Jesus to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and every power. And so why is this not transpired? Let me tell you why. God says this, the Father's desire is that none should perish. And he is, he is demonstration, demonstrating his patience. His patience. Please don't wait. Declare Jesus Lord. Give him the authority that he is and deserves. Later on in the same, same chapter, verse 51 to 58, it says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. Our ears should perk up. We shall not all sleep. That, must, that means when Christ comes back, not everybody's going to be dead. But we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable. And we shall be changed like Jesus. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable. This mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that, uh, that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, we sang this, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory. Can you hear this church? Thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, right? Always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord, your labor is not in vain. I draw our time together as a a close, at least for the message, in, in reminding us of a conversation that transpired between Jesus and a sister that was grieving. Martha was grieving the death of her brother who had passed four days earlier. Jesus had showed up on the scene in a timely fashion, at least from God's perspective, in order to point to the resurrection, right? And it's interesting that after Lazarus is raised from the dead here, um, what did, what did the, the, the officials want to do? They wanted to kill him too, right? Because they needed to get rid of the evidence. And so in, in verses, uh, John chapter 11, verse 21 to 27, it says this, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, If you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know, don't you love the statement of faith here? I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And I love, like she obviously sat under the the teaching of Christ and embraced it as her own personal doctrine. Because listen to her, her, her statement of faith here. Martha said to him, I know. I know, I believe, I am confident that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives until I return is what he's saying there and believes in me. Do you hear what it says, what he says here? This is the God 
of the universe. This is the declaration of truth himself shall never die. And then he looks at this grieving sister that has now been given ultimate hope. And he says, do you believe this? And you know, that question is still to us today. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the resurrection and the life? And if you believe in him, though you die, yet you shall live, live. She said to him, and I love her, her profession of faith here. Yes, Lord, I believe you are the Christ, the son of God who is coming into the world. I hope that's your, I hope that's your, your confident statement of faith. Because in John chapter 6, verse, verse 40, we're, we're told this. For this is the will of my father, Jesus says, that everyone who looks on the son and believes in him shall have eternal life. That's the simple truth of the gospel. That's the good news that we've been given. That if we look upon the son and trust him, put our hope in him, believe that he is the Lord that he is, who looks on the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life. And I, listen, this is the promise that comes with that statement, right? I will rise Him up on, or raise Him up on the last day. That's His promise. So church, I, I mean, beloved, I want you to hear that this morning. If you are in Christ, can you hear this? Jesus has promised, I will raise you up on the last day. That's our living hope. That's what gives us courage to walk through the dark days, you know, being the light, which was always going to, cause persecution and trial and adversity. They hated me, they'll hate you too. That's what Jesus said. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. And isn't that exactly what we're talking about today? He overcame the world, right? And so we, we, have, we have everything to hope for and nothing to lose. And Jesus says in, in, in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, he says, look, if anybody would come after me, he must deny himself. That say, that say, that's, that's say no to me. They must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will what? Save it or find it, right? I want to tell you something here. A couple of passages, please let this sink deeply into your souls. Ears open, hearts ready. In 1 Corinthians six fourteen, it says, and God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. We're told the same power that rose Jesus from the dead now lives in us. That powerful Holy Spirit now attests to this truth, this power that resides in us, and we are promised resurrection on the last day. In Romans 10, 9 and 10, if you have never trusted Christ, if, you, if this all seems so foreign and such a mystery to you, I want you to know that it is simple childlike faith. It just seems like for something so grand and so glorious that it should take something like monumental on my part to, to earn this thing. Like, right, I, I got to like be good enough. And most people have asked on the street, how, you know, how do you know you're going to heaven? Well, my good outweighs my bad. That's not how it works because your good has to be perfect. And Jesus was perfect for us. And then he says, you can have my resume for your rags. I, I will take, uh, you can, you can, you can, I'll take your poverty and I'll give you riches. He says, he who became, he who was rich became poor that we might become rich. This is what he gave us. He gave us the father. And, and it's through, it's through a simple confession of faith. It is turning the reins of our lives over to the one that's truly Lord anyway and surrendering the control of our life, acknowledging that we have fallen short of his glory, that we acknowledge that we have sinned. We confess that it has, 
It has caused separation and a divide. But we also acknowledge that Jesus paid the price and he paid it in full and he quenched the debt that we could not pay no matter what we did. And, and we just, all we do is, is plead upon his mercy and grace. And do we know this? That he has promised that it's yours. Listen to what this says. In Romans 10, 9 through 10, it says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Does the resurrection matter? And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. For with the heart, one professes or believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. I, I want you to take a peek at this, this video of those that have experienced the, the rescue of God, the indwelling power and presence of the Holy Spirit, and, uh, and just hear from their, from their own hearts uh, what God has done in their life. For me, um, July of 1987... Everything changed. Everything changed. My heart was changed and I knew it. The greatest testimony, the greatest evidence of salvation is, is the experience that we have in Christ. The testimony of God's word and how it resonates with every truth that it declares. And so this morning, if you have never trusted Christ as Lord, man, it is, my, it is, it is the Father's passionate desire. He has been wooing you to his heart your whole life. And this is a moment where you have an opportunity to dedicate, to commit, to surrender, to rededicate, and, and, uh, and just declare the truth that Jesus is Lord and that you want to surrender to his lordship and let him start running and ruling in the most loving and most powerful way your life and all of its implications. If that's your heart's desire today, if that's your great need I'm going to ask you, look, if you can't stand here, you'll never stand out there. Never. Right? I'm not asking you to walk an aisle. I'm, I'm, I'm just asking you to boldly declare that I, I need him more than I need my next breath because he is my next breath. And so I, I would challenge you in this moment, whatever that might mean for you, I'm just going to ask you to stand. Just to stand to your feet in this very moment. And I'm going to, I'm going to help you by giving you, listen, there is no special words that have to be declared here it is your heart to his your heart to his heart and he knows your heart he knows the sincerity it's it's not about the words it's about the intentions and uh but i have penned these words because i believe they they represent what the scriptures call us to in this moment of surrender and i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna invite you to declare these for yourself for yourself okay this is this is what i would say now, after 30-some years with the Lord, if, if I went back to my moment, this is what I would declare. This would be my prayer. Join me in this prayer, please. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your love and grace. Please forgive me of my many sins through the complete work of the cross. I put my trust in you. And I surrender my will to yours. I believe that you loved me and died for me. And rose again to conquer sin and death. From this day forward, please help me to live for you.
In Jesus' name, amen. Can we celebrate as the heavens celebrate what God is doing in each of these hearts? Man, I thank God for your courage to stand for Jesus, and I promise you that his word will not return void. You can trust that the promises that are made will be realized in your life. And I also want to ask you this. If, if this is, if this is the, the moment that you have trusted Christ as Lord, and this is, a, this is the precipice of your journey with him, uh, what I'm going to encourage you to do is come out to the beach and follow through in baptism today. Like, you know, that, that's, that's, the, that's to me, like baptism um, is for the Christian what, uh, what, what, what the wedding is to marriage, right? It's a, it's a, it's a public declaration and it's an identification with Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection. Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org.